even pet Ace anymore? Yeah, of course. Because he's desperate. He gets, trust me, he gets so much it's attention. It's like he hasn't gotten he's just, yeah. a human touch. He's just such a baby. He's just so, it's obsessive. <laughs> it's unhealthy. Um, I've been watching a lot of bowling videos. Uh, you know what? Sure. I don't know why I laughed. <laughs> What's your relationship with bowling? Bowling? Ever since I got bad back? Mm-hmm. Zero relationship. Growing up. Yeah, growing up. It was definitely in my rotation of things to do. Like and with I, friends and stuff? Yeah, like, well, I remember, I don't know if my family would go regularly, but I remember, I still remember when I learned to curve the bowling ball and what a great feeling that was. Yeah. And then I remember having an epic game in college with me and a, and a friend. It was one of those friendly rivalries that like turned serious. And yeah. at the end you just, you can't let the other one uh. win no matter what. <laughs> right. And it was the most epic game. Like people will accuse me of false memories, but it was like truly like a gift of from, from God. Yeah. Um, and that was the last game I ever played. I okay. did that, and then I was like, I'm done with bowling. Well, we've and played casually back. here, like with the kids and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess maybe in Virginia we've, yeah, but I mean, not in the last 10 years for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, growing up, my parents were in a league, had their a, own balls. We're in a league. And I was just talking to my mom about this the other day because I started watching. I don't know why, if it was a recommendation or whatever, but I started watching these bowling videos. And my parents were in a league, and I remember growing up in the bowling alley. And I was talking to my mom, and she was like, yeah, like, as soon as we were able to take you out of the house, three weeks old, bowling. you were at the bowling alley because they had their league that they bowled in every Saturday night. So literally every Saturday from like three weeks old until I was old enough to drive and I wouldn't have to go, I wait, was wait. at the bowling They wouldn't alley. leave you home alone until you could no. drive? Well, I mean, I guess I could be left home alone, but <laughs> part of going to the bowling alley for me was my cousins would be there and then we'd, oh, okay. play, our, we'd play the arcade games for like okay. three hours. Eventually that, you know, wore, wore itself out. But yeah, every Saturday night for pretty much 16 years at the bowling alley. Uh, with that being said, I don't, uh, this can't be true, but I don't specifically remember ever actually bowling until college, like doing it for fun with friends in college. <laughs> just was never just interested in it. Watched. But out, but you know, going to the bowling alley and then of course, so my parents then are then also watching bowling on TV. So it's like on TV a lot in my house. So I just have this weird sort of nostalgia spot for bowling and that I didn't really realize I had until I started watching these videos. You, what, what's your like average score? You're not, oh, a bad I have bowler, no right? idea. 
I, you I can't no even idea. say like 100. No. I don't even know how to curve the ball. I mean, I have a, a basic uh, idea of how to do it just from understanding physics elementarily. You know, you you look like one of those Chuck E. Cheese animatronics when you bowl. Yeah. Just like slow movement and then a very harsh movement. Mm -hmm. Like when they go to bend down and just throwing it straight as hard as I can. Is gone. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, I started watching these bowling videos and something stuck out to me. The first thing that stuck out to me is it's a very small intimate event Mm. it's like four lanes two people are going head to head and there's maybe a hundred people in the audience standing around them i don't know how much of that is deliberate and how much of it is like yeah we are not getting more than a hundred people together to watch a bowling match you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but something stuck out to me in these videos uh so i'm going to play one for you so so this came up this is what came up in the recommendation oh this is going to play an ad because i'm not signed in but the video that came up was a pete weber video and pete weber is the guy who goes who do you think who you, do you are, think I you am? are i am and going back to that i've part of this exploration he has an entire line of clothing around that I am clothing is Pete Weber's bowling clothing line. What if that's his chance to like actually say the line correctly? <laughs> like, yeah. This is what I meant. Okay, I'm making an old clothing line out of it. Yeah. The greats can channel it. So, anyways, I'm watching this video and it's like, you know, it's a sporting event. This this is so this is between Pete Weber and a guy named Jason Belmont. When you say you watch videos, do you watch whole matches or you This is a 20 minute video. It's a, it's a match between Pete Weber and Jason Belmonte. And my understanding after watching it and then watching multiple videos and then getting a feel for who these people are is this was kind of like a passing of the torch moment from Pete Weber, who is one of the greatest, to Jason Belmonte, who is now like the modern day great bowler, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Weber can channel it. Well, he figured out that he has to go straighter on that lane. What's he going to do on the left lane? Pete is out of re-racks now. The players are allowed to. Right. Game. Heavy breathing. He's Building done. up the tension. Pete Weber's about to bowl. Big shot. It's very quiet. Monumental foundation. Pete Weber known for being like a little bit of a hot hedge, you know. Seven pin. Yeah, that's Balls. right, baby. Come on, don't miss. You wanted it, you got it. <laughs> All right. Come on, baby, don't miss. You wanted His it, you got it. His voice, too. You wanted it, you, you got, got it. it. He sounds like such a twerp. And that's him talking to himself. That's him right? pumping himself up. Yep. There's also videos of him, like, yelling at people in the audience and da-da-da-da-da. So, anyways, that's him um, building himself up. Then comes this moment that I thought was really funny. Let me find the timestamp. Is that right? Oh, yeah, because it happened earlier. So Belmonte's coming up the bowl, and listen to what the announcer says. Jason Belmonte versus Pete Weber. Their bowling ball is going down the lane, and this track tech much faster. It also gets to the pins much faster. Controlling speed, revolutions, and angle. That's why he's the two-time PBA Player of the Year and the two-time defending champion here. Plus 23, eighth frame. Middle. 
he's got to be really good. Throws his towel down on Pete's equipment. Pete doesn't like that. He keeps picking his towel up and throwing it off of the bowling balls. <laughs> so all throughout this match, this guy Belmonte is throwing his little hand towel on top of Pete Weber's bowling balls. <laughs> and it keeps cutting back to Pete. And he's just like, <sighs> every time it happens, just this little thing that that was so funny. <laughs> But the thing that 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 that's true gamesmanship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like I don't know how on because eventually the judge is like telling him like you have to stop doing this, and he just goes oh he's like oh my gosh I'm so sorry and it seems like a genuine reaction but at the same time like I don't know seems like it might be a little bit of a mind game but this is what really stuck out to me okay so I'm watching this whole video building up the tension I'll let this play a little bit you listen to the announcer so basically it's coming down to like I said passing of the torch right Pete Weber to Jason Belmonte this is like a match for the championship or whatever I don't know what it's called and um Belmonte has a chance to win if he Bowls three straight strikes or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But they're building the tension up, basically. Let me get to it. I was just hoping for a break to get back in this match, and that's probably the biggest break he's gotten of this tournament. Belmonte. Probably the biggest break he's gotten in this tournament. Right, but listen. Okay, listen to the next one. Packs the pocket. That's a great shot, and it was a great There's just something that happens that I ended up it might be the reason why I stopped watching because I, I can't watch the videos. Anymore. Coming off the lanes, Weber knows what Belmonte said. You talked about it. Here's the situation. If Jason Belmonte strikes out in the 10th frame, he will shut out Pete Weber. If he doesn't strike out in the 10th frame, Pete Weber can still win. Max score for Belmonte, 233. Max score for Pete Weber, 232. And there is the possibility of a tie. Tenth frame. The pop. <laughs> the pop. <laughs> it's, it's like such a serious it's moment. <laughs> and there's just this one little second of complete silence. And you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't happen every time they, they've gotten some way to work around it because it's not happening earlier in the match but it, apparently it gets he gets so worked up that his thumb just starts popping every time he bowls i want them to comment on that like he's got his thumb really shut <laughs> and there is the possibility of a tie 10th frame <laughs> so stupid. And that pop made you say, I'm done with these bowling That videos. pop, that was one of the first ones I watched in the run. But I ended up like rewinding probably 10 times just to listen to all of them. And I just couldn't get enough. I would love if you had been there live and then just the contagious laughter that that yeah. rippled through the crowd is you just couldn't get over the pop that you heard. Yeah. The other thing about it too is I'm not sure how this works in golf. In golf, you have to be quiet, right? Yeah. 
But if you make noise during somebody's swing, do they get to redo? Right, if you're giggling at every pop. Right, because in bowling, you can just make noise. Well, yeah, that, that's part of the interaction, right? Right. Like, the and bowlers will yell at one of the, at the reasons why, like, Pete Weber gets so upset, because apparently someone was in another video. It was hard to tell if someone was actually doing something or not, but, like, they don't get a redo. If someone just messes you up in the middle of your swing, you just get messed up. Oh, man. That pop was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes you feel like if I... You know, I played basketball growing up, and I never thought I'd go professional, but there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm really going to dedicate my time to basketball. Yeah. If my wrist made a popping noise like that every time I shot, I just think after, like, a few shots, it'd be like, I can't do this. Right. <laughs> Not with that noise going on. Yeah. There is, there's, like, a quick turn between, like, okay, before I can – develop any further i'm gonna have to figure out this noise thing i'm gonna I, there's no way my wrist can't right. be making this i can't pop, be shooting pop. a free throw to win the game and then as i release <laughs> the ball because i'll start laughing right. <laughs> it'll make myself laugh. <laughs> he really needs to learn to stop laughing at his own shot he's his own worst <laughs> enemy out there um <laughs> <laughs> uh, well that's good yeah, I mean, that's better than the videos I've been watching. Oh, yeah? Well, I think I told you I got recommended. Did not watch it, though. A reaction video of divers reacting to people, I guess, going and visiting a place with the worst diving right. disaster. Mm. And it's like, why, why would anybody want to watch videos of people reacting to, like, crash site? Right. Finding remains. Yeah. Um, and not like historical remains. Like, oh, I found this guy's yeah. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of all that, on my Twitter timeline, somebody posted like just a bunch of screen caps. They're like, so th this is a genre video that exists, and it's um, British people react to 9-11 footage. <laughs> <laughs> And like, you know, oh, bruv. Oh, that's bad, bruv. Like, what, <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> Good googly moogly. Oh, I didn't even know there were two towers. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, Yeah, well, that... God knows what I was going to update you on because nothing is going on. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> have you vampire survivors... Somerville. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pentiment. Pentiment. Yeah, I'm super excited for those. Um, I also, do you have an Audible subscription? They advertised this free yep. play that they did, like mm -hmm. radio play called Catchers. And I listened to that today while working. Um the whole thing? It's only two hours. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it was, you know, it's it's one of those things that's interesting because there's always going to be uh, an element of, like, what was it called? Catchers? Like, theatrics. Um, 
Like, there's always going to be a theater kid aspect to stuff like this, like radio plays. Yeah. But for a radio play, I thought it was really good. Mm. Um, so if you're looking for a diversion, especially like on a walk or run or whatever you do, um, uh, I'd recommend Catchers. Yeah. Are there any like known quantities to it or it's just as... I mean, there, there are voices where I was like, oh, I think I know this. But it's not like, it's yeah. not like one of those like star-studded, right, here's... Right. Um, Julia Roberts in this. It just is a really solid production with just a kind of Twilight Zone story um, that has all the kind of like expectations of, okay, how do we, like it has the stuff that I love where you hear somebody like a rustling going on, a fight, and then just one of the characters has to say, yeah, that's right. Take the taser. <laughs> like, they have to tell you the weapon that they're using. Right. And so, but it's like, I find stuff like that charming. Like, yeah, more, sure. yeah, more than like taking me out. I love the little workarounds of like, all right, here's an action scene. How do we let them know that one person has an axe and the other person has a taser? And it's like the person with the axe is like, oh, I missed with my axe swing. Mm. Oh, I got my taser. Don't worry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, it's about a dog catcher. It's about uh, there's a dog catcher in it. Retiring dog catcher, first day dog catcher, and they have to catch a deadly species. Mm. I'm guessing it turns out to not be a dog. I don't know. I can't tell. Teehee, but um. Yeah, no, it, it was it was good for what it was. Um, yeah, so a whole bunch of games. I mean, we talked a little bit about Persona 5, and I I just don't think it's for me. I don't know. Yeah. I, I still want to give it more of a of a try. Um there were also a bunch of little games that were that are kind of fun on Game Pass. Indy and I were playing. Yeah. But now, Vampire Survivors, which was out on PC about a year ago, I think is when it first came out in, like, early access. And I got it for, like, a buck ninety-nine. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I don't know if it, if the Game Pass release is, like, the official launch, but it was in early access for a while. Yeah, and so I played in early access, and kind of, I didn't realize how deep the game was. I think that's recent, too. Okay, because once I figured it out, like I beat every level that was out in early access. And once I did that, I was like, oh, I, I guess I'm done. Then I fired up the Xbox. Thing, and it's like I've beaten three levels, like I got to 30 minutes. And then I look and you sent me like a screenshot. It's like I have like three achievements out of 130. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so there's a whole bunch to... Um, unlock right characters and like n- new levels or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I thought I kind of got to the, but maybe that's just the end of early access. I got to. Well, yeah. And what I like about it, there's a lot of things I like about it. But one of the things I really like about it is it does a really good job of, uh, kind of <clears throat> directing you on what to do next, like. They, like, you can kill... At, so, at the 30-minute mark, Grim Reaper shows up and kills you, right? You can kill the Grim Reaper. 
and keep playing after the 30 minute mark. I mean, once you kill the Grim Reaper, there's nothing to do, but right, then it's, just it's not necessarily run. the end of the level. And it's pretty easy to, like, you don't have to go look up stuff to, tr- to figure out how to do it, right? You, you end up lock, unlocking stuff sort of progressively, naturally, and then you can kind of put two and two together and be like, okay, I, let me try this um, and go from there. I never killed the Grim Reaper. Yeah. So, and then within the level, like, I just kind of got, um, I just kind of figured out that the maps have stuff on it too. Right. right. Like there's a question mark and I went to it and it was a coffin. Mm-hmm. And then I'm running around the coffin waiting for something to happen. And then just a huge boss spawned on me and killed me immediately. And I was like, oh, I guess that's a boss for this level. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that exi- I thought it was all just a survival game. Like, yeah. I thought that's what it was. But Right. But there's yeah, more. There's a lot more to it. Exactly. Yeah, so, there's a, a, a bunch of characters to unlock. There's, like, yeah. What, what I like about it is it's a, I don't know if I'm using the term correctly, but it's a gotcha game without the, like, ex- exploitative aspects to it it's Mm -hmm. gardenscapes without the we literally hate you we hate that you're playing this game we just want you to give us some money and 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 all that it it has just that great feedback loop um especially early on indy and i pass the controller back and forth and like do crazy builds and see who can go Mm -hmm. like it, it it just is a broad fun game that I think you can have a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to have fun with it. Yeah. Have you evolved weapons? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, and the the problem is one thing that I'm trying to do now, because something I definitely, definitely did in the early access is I had a build. Right. And went for that build. Now I'm, I'm forcing myself to diversify mm-hmm. and do things like the recharge health and armor buffs mm-hmm. before knife and i'm looking to evolve that knife mm-hmm. i want the like machine gun version of the knife right and then the bible uh-huh. i want the that for the bible <clears throat> if it's a smaller like the library levels i'll do the whip okay so they can't get away and then i also like the cross on that too the boomerang uh-huh those were my main Go go tos, and then, yeah, Santa water for fun and whatever. But those are those are my main weapons. I just, no matter who I was playing, that was my that was my strategy. Yeah. Do you have one? Do you have like a build favorite weapon? Uh, not really. My my preference is weapons that you don't have to aim. So I don't like the knife because you have to aim it. Yeah, but I mean, on that you just walk in a direction, or at the end you just spin. Right. Uh, so I prefer uh, weapons, more area of effect weapons. The Santa so water. The Bible's great. The Santa water is very good. What about the, the bird that will fly around and just... So the bird is good. There, you, There's two birds. And if you level both of them up, that's how you evolve that weapon. They combine and become one. The birds are pretty good. I've never evolved the birds. Yeah. Um, the Bible's good. The, 
I also want the your your rank of least useful. The lightning's good. Yes. Yeah, the evolve where it strikes uh-huh. twice and just lights up your whole screen. The garlic shield. It's good in the beginning. It's useless. <clears throat> the garlic shield is good. Well, when it when it when you evolve it, it gives you health. So the damage that it does give you gives you health. It's definitely not. It's definitely like it's the yeah. It's a great beginner weapon great, because great, it kills beginner, everything right? just by touching it. Like all the early stuff, you can just walk walk into things. Even even giving you health though at the end when the f- screen is filled with enemies, I feel like they just always run through my barrier and I'm dead. Well, that's the thing. For me, it's more of a buffer than anything else. Yeah. Um, it's more of a just kind of like a, a safety net. I feel like. Um, what about the clock lancet? It just freezes. Right. The and clock. It goes in a clock. Yeah, I don't love, but um, it is necessary for some stuff. Tell me, tell me what's. Oh. Wink. You're winking Wink. at me. Oh! That's how Walkie you kill dokie. the Grim Reaper because you got to freeze him. Mm-hmm. And you probably kill him with the upgrade that clears everything on the screen. Yep. No. Oh, the pentagram? Which sucks. I remember by getting that in early access and being like, because it's a it's an unlock weapon after a while. And I was like, oh, this is sweet. And then it like, because I'll hover sometimes around like the orb that will attract your floor chicken. Mm-hmm. And then the pentagram went off and just exactly. cleared everything. I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, the pentagram is is yeah, it's not it's not one of my favorites. I I avoid the pentagram almost at all costs, but once you evolve it all the way, the the more you upgrade it, the the higher a chance it has to leave everything, right? So once you upgrade it fully, it stops deleting all the stuff on the ground basically. And then once you evolve it, it kills everything on screen, and then um, sucks up all the gems. So, oh, the evolved state is—it's okay. It's not worth it, but it's not that bad. Um, but there's a lot of. Have you unlocked any of the like playing cards? Maybe in early access, but not on the Xbox. Yeah. So there's a lot of like just little touches afterwards, just little things that you can keep unlocking that are like quality of life things that you didn't even know you wanted or that weren't even... um, I, I kind of just chalked up to just playing the game and it was there's some stuff that's tedious like on the maps there like you said there are there are um, items and then you get to a certain point um, and you unlock some stuff and there are four items on every map uh, north east south and west but they're super far apart and it takes forever to get to them there's a card you can get that you choose to play that every two minutes sucks everything to you. So it sucks all those items, the gems, everything, like the the chickens, like whatever, just brings it straight to you. Um, but it doesn't break the game. It's just kind of like a quality of life thing that makes it a lot 
more fun to more play fun, and yeah. it makes and it allows you to focus more in a build at this point i i haven't really like theorized any builds i've just been kind of um working through all the levels and then working through all the characters and then it has the unlocks menu it shows you everything you yeah. need to unlock and i'm just kind of working through that and the way i approach it is there are definitely things that i prefer to use but for the most part i'll just kind of um go by uh like what i can evolve i try to get it to where i can evolve every single thing i have Mm -hmm. um so that kind of naturally leads me to using like the santa water because it's good but also because the passive for that is the thing that gives your pull distance gives you a greater pull distance which it just makes it easier to pick stuff up so i like that um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Yeah. V- Vampire survivors is, um, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. I was going to say something and then I, I totally blank. It's like deceptively simple. It just is. And it's, yeah, I don't know what it's the genre is, but you, you Idle literally, game just move your character around you can and that's another thing that i really appreciate about it is they don't cut any corners on that it's not like oh here's the one exception where you press a to do something nope you just move your character for every single thing when i got to that question mark and it was the coffin it felt so weird but it's the first time that i was like a b c like i was right. like, is there some right triggered i do I, I need to engage with this somehow Mm-hmm. And yeah, then the big boss spawned and I died. And I was like, oh yeah, no, the, no other button. Yeah. You're using Atari joystick. Yeah. You literally just move around. That's, that's and all. if you ever think you have to do something else, you don't. You just move around. Just move around. And you hit, hit things with your projectiles as you move around. That's it. it oh, <clears throat> it, do you listen to audiobooks and podcasts while you play it? I've been listening to some, but like I said, so we, I've got like 30 hours into it. We just started playing on Saturday. We, does that mean you and... So, right. So I downloaded it and Julia's been playing it a lot and the girls have been playing it somewhat off and on. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been, I've definitely been putting, been playing like the lion's share, of course, but Julia's put a lot of time into Has it. Has she made it 30 minutes on the level? Yeah, she's beat to the first the forest in the library it's just such a satisfying loop it's crazy it's yeah it is it's it that i think that's the thing like the gardenscapes thing it is like an addictive mobile mobile game loop without being a mobile game that's yeah. trying to wring every penny out of you, you so know? on game pass but also i think i didn't check the price but is it it was one ninety nine early access. Yeah. What what is it? Have you checked on the? On I the saw store? three dollars somewhere else, See, but I don't know. Like yeah. I I feel like next time I get paid, I'll probably just like buy it on Xbox again, just yeah. to give them like they should be rewarded yeah. fully for not making this a gardenscapes mm-hmm. for literally like you said committing to their idea, no secret button presses. Mm-hmm. The, the weapons are fun, mm-hmm. and the game itself is like, Indy and I played one where 
we're playing against each other trying to see who can last the long longest. Mm. But for every upgrade, the other person picks your upgrade. Mm. Mm. So like I'm just trying to give him like all the defense stuff. Right. Um he's not strategic, so he's helping me out a little more. <laughs> I win those. Yeah. But it's just it's just fun. it's just a fun shell to Yeah, it's crazy. And you know. and like I said, all you do is move around. And I I could have played the first four levels and just the whole goal been to get the 30 minutes and that's the entire game. 30 minutes, four levels, and you're done. And I would have been totally satisfied with that for for ten dollars. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a ten dollar kit. But and it just opens up. <laughs> literally all you do is move around. And like I said, we've put 30 hours into it, and I'm like maybe halfway through unlocking stuff. It's it's crazy how much they've done and how much they've kind of figured out and how to how much they can change things up, even though all you're doing is just moving a character around a screen. It's great. Kind of so it goes to certain games that I feel like have that 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 approach. And that's how I respond to. Like I like a lot of indie games, but some of the games I don't stick with very very long. Mm-hmm. But I'm always searching for new ones because I respond to that kind of like clarity of design, whereas mm-hmm. Something like Assassin's Creed, which we talked about, which is like just bloat yeah. for bloat's sake mm-hmm. where, yeah, I don't know, help this lady get her pot off her roof now mm-hmm. and then help this other lady bury her husband. Like just in inane side quests that have no tie-in, mm-hmm. it's just useless activities um, with Vampire Survivors or other indie games, I feel like there has to be a, a clearer directive in what they're trying to do another game that did that that indy and i enjoyed a lot is a game called Stacklands. Mm-hmm. and what's tough is we have a steam deck but i'm trying to gauge what to get on steam deck and what to wait for game pass like vampire survivors mm-hmm. but there's a game that we played called um dome keeper and Stacklands. Stacklands is a game where you have cards and you combine the cards to make other items. And it's a city builder, basically. But you have cards, like you have stone and a wood card. Uh-huh. You combine them, and together they make a axe. And with the axe card, then you can lay that on a tree, and it'll start chopping the tree to make more wood. And so it's like cards that combine to then make other cards Mm -hmm. and you're doing all these different card combos and it's such a simple design and approach but like yeah indy and i put in like 10 hours easy over a few days just trying to find and they don't tell you what the combos are and then you you find out like you can combine three cards so like three pieces of wood and one stone makes something else right whereas Mm -hmm. one would one stone would make an axe, three and one. And you can build a house. You can build a portal that will bring in, like, magic creatures. Creatures will attack you. You have to defend yourself. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But, again, like, another $3.99 game. Were they talking about that on Besties, or were you know, talking about that I before? think I was maybe talking about that. Okay. 
And then dome keeper is like you're a guy on an alien planet. You have a dome. You're trying to drill beneath your dome and find precious metals. But then creatures will come and attack your dome. And you can use those precious metals to upgrade your dome. So like upgrade your gun on it or give it more defense. And so you have to like fight them off and then go and drill more. But then they'll come and attack. Really great game. I feel like that has to come to Game Pass. But the games that are on Game Pass now that I'm excited about are um, Somerville, mm-hmm. which is from one of the executive producers of of Inside and has the same feel art style-wise. Right. And they talked about on the Rusties today. Yeah, I started listening to it, but then I decided to stop. They, they, they said it's like a movie. It. Yeah. So I think that sounds cool. And um, Pentiment, mm-hmm. which is a mystery game, like medieval era mm-hmm. mystery game that I've heard really good things about that I'm super excited about. Um, and it's kind of in the genre of what you and I love a lot. Well, what I love a lot. I truly, I want you to play The Curse of the Oberdin. Yeah. You really, really, really need to play it. Yeah, I so, will eventually. <laughs> yeah, Curse of the Oberdin, and he also recommended a game called The Curse of the Golden Idol, mm-hmm. I think, that's on Steam now, and Pentiment all feel like in the same genre, uh, and I, I love games like that. So super excited to jump into that. So we should maybe talk about that Yeah, two weeks from now. Probably too much to do in a week. Yeah. Especially the Vampire Survivors now in full swing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Uh, do you want to talk about White Lotus? Let's go. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I fed right into that. <laughs> All right. Uh, episode three of White Lotus. It's called Bull Elephants. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I miss that connection. I mean, isn't bull elephant kind of talking about like a head male elephant? So kind of, I took it. Like an alpha male? Right. I kind of took it to be commenting on um, Albie's dad and grandfather on Michael Imperioli and, uh, um, Mm -hmm. and what's his name? Um, F. Marie Abraham. Yeah, F. Mur- er, Murray. Bert. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so episode three. Um, a male elephant. Bull elephant. Male elephant. What's a female elephant? Well, let's see. Bull for male. What's the female version of bull? Cow elephant. Cow? No, I'm sure that. I'm sure there's an elephant. A male elephant is called a bull elephant, and a female elephant is called elephants are da 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 da. What do cows and cattle have in common with elephants? Both are herbivores. A male elephant is called a bull elephant, a and female a female is called elephant a cow. Is a cow. Don't think about it too hard. 
So okay, <laughs> that uh, that uh, okay. So <clears throat> it's like a dog is a bitch. I guess you know what I mean. But a cow is already a cow. So like, what is a female cow? Yeah, I mean, again, it feels like almost like a scientific like. You should next time you're in work, just be like, "Hey, cow." When you see a female, let's see. No, no, it's technically. No, what? see, in the animal world, that just That's, means you're a woman. Yeah, it's like yeah. bitch and dog and cow right. and female. Okay. I can call you all those. <laughs> if I uh, what did you think of episode three? Um, Episode three, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It clarified a few mm-hmm. feelings I have about stories like this and the show. But ultimately, yes, liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it... Um, I think it might be my favorite one so far, not by like a, a mile or something, but I thought it was really good. And like you said, I think it kind of, for me, uh, kind of reined in a lot of the speculation from the last episode that I feel like I had mm-hmm. in terms of like, uh, it, it's just, yeah, it just kind of clarified, I think, a lot of people's roles. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I liked it. Uh. So let's start with the um. The power couples. Mm-hmm. Uh. So Daphne and Cameron and Ethan and Harper split up, go do their own things. Harper is going to be super positive, though. Right. She's um not going to say no to anything be super open yeah and ends up yeah getting roped into a a girl yeah kind of getting the impression and maybe i should have picked up on this earlier maybe this is super obvious from the beginning but it kind of feels like harper is supposed to be the audience representative of like the audience like harper i feel like is supposed to be the person that you are relating to kind of like the the whose eyes you're seeing the story through you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> yeah i could see that and that could just be like a that also could just be like a personality thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's the character i relate to well most. W- and and because in the narrative she's the one who's most standoffish she's the one who is purposefully not allowing herself to be a part of this experience right so but it also seems like she is the one that the story is sort of framing itself around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the beginning, like they were the the whole introduction to to that to those four people's dynamic was Harper being standoffish, mm-hmm. right? And then the whole impetus of this episode or the whole the beginning of this episode the the focus is i'm not going to be that way anymore right and that's kind of how that sort of kicks that's the catalyst for everything else that happened and and the 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 break in that which makes it feel even more jarring is when she gets leered at by all the men in the village yeah and that's the one time where you feel like oh i I'm not the audience anymore. I'm watching this character, but where she almost like it felt, it didn't feel like that was real. Right. Mm-hmm. You took that as like how she's feeling in the moment. Right. Not that mm-hmm. all these men just gathered around her and stared at mm-hmm. her. Um, and so, yeah, that was the one moment where then the perspective is 
shifted out, and yeah, I can't feel that with her. So right, yeah, it makes that even more jarring. Um, whole scene I read was a oh was an homage to the movie from the night to the 1960 movie, which I'm sure you've seen. Fellini is it La Ventura? Yes, it's like a shot for shot deal. Yeah. Um. Oh, starring. Starring, Monica Vitti. Hey. Um. Yeah. So they split up, go their own ways, and by the end of the episode, so I guess this is kind of. This is probably most, uh, this is mostly what I was talking about when I said that my, uh, it's sort of uh, honed in on who these characters are. By the end of the episode, you, I think some of the stuff does come to fruition that we're talking about on the last episode in saying that, like, I'm sure these people cheat on each other or sleep mm-hmm. around or whatever. But you also realize that, um, uh, Daphne and Cameron do fight with each other. You know, there's still there's still some stuff that's like, I guess the big question now is kind of, um, is it all still is it all still a ploy? Kind of. Mm. And by the end of the episode, I was thinking, I think I think they're kind of. I don't think there is supposed to be any sort of grand scheme here with the with that couple. Uh, but then I read someone's post that changed my mind. Because you, you could see it with, like, you could definitely see a version of this where Cameron is broke. Where, where Cameron, right. when he has the insider trading conversation with Ethan, mm-hmm. like, you could give me a heads up that he's speaking from the perspective of a desperate man mm-hmm. who is over leveraged in a lot of things. Well, that was the other question. That was the other thought I had, too is is it going to be revealed that he actually is broke right and at this point like in this it's it's up until this point everything has been they're rich they're rich they're rich so i'm wondering if at some point it's going to be like a like you said yeah we're we're like over leveraged or we're we're swimming in debt and we actually don't have any money and you and you think about again it goes to whether or not this is a setup but there is also a nagging feeling in the back of my head when Daphne says she wants to go to the village and they say, well, you should go with Harper. Um, that you almost feel like that could have been like a Cameron Daphne ploy. Right. Like, this like is the, the night, whole thing was set right, up. Right. This is the night beforehand. where we're going to separate them. Mm-hmm. You get Ethan, get him drunk, get him compromised, get him open to your way of dealing with things, which is underhanded, right? Daphne even says, not Cameron, but the men that he deals with right. are, she says, evil. Mm-hmm. And so you get the sense that maybe Cameron and Daphne are in trouble with bad people. Mm-hmm. And the way that they could get out of it is their newly rich acquaintance because they weren't even friends. Right. Right? Like, well, they're like... Uh they're college buddies, right, but they yeah, haven't yeah. really been for a while keeping up. Yeah, and so this is like, let's get them out, let's do this thing, and it fits with the manufactured way that they've presented themselves mm-hmm. and the way that they've acted. Yeah. So I've actually swung now without really pre-thinking about it. I've swung to the idea that very quickly 
Daphne and Cameron are going to reveal themselves as, if not, like, like I'm going to go full in on the blackmail situation. Mm-hmm. That they tried to get Ethan in a compromising situation to mm-hmm. force him to, mm-hmm. okay. to help them. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. That here's another theory that takes a, a slightly different view on it. So this is from Reddit theory. This is from argument. Argument United seven one four on Reddit theory. Daphne and Cameron are a deliberate reference to George and Martha. It all felt so choreographed when Daphne wanted to go to Noto, but Cam had already booked the jet skis for that day and then spontaneously, oh, wait, Harper, you, why don't you come? Yeah, you should go. Okay, Ethan, we now we party, blah, blah, blah. It was like they were just executing steps in an already agreed upon plan. Mm-hmm. And then Daphne keeps steering conversation around to cheating and how men change, while Cameron makes sure Ethan isn't available for a reassuring phone call and make sure to say at breakfast you should have seen this guy on the dance floor. You couldn't have created a better environment for infidelity, paranoia, if you planned it. Obviously, people in this sub have already said they did plan it because Cam's trying to get Harper to big dog Ethan or they're broke and they need money. But I was thinking, what if this is just their weird little marriage game? You know the play Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? where George and Martha make a game of, of inviting newlyweds to dinner to prove they can bust up their pretty little marriage in a few hours, and they just perfectly drive a screw into the other couple's insecurity. My theory was that Daphne and Cameron are like them, and they keep their own ma- marriage spicy and intimate by ruining other people's. So then I looked it up, and it turns out Mike White had a childhood obsession with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm. So now I think, blah, 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 that's a theory. The only thing pushback i would give on that is i mean i guess i haven't seen who's afraid of virginia wolf so i don't know explicitly what they mean when they say breaking up other people's marriage but mind games from one couple over another right sleeping with prostitutes seems to go a little bit further than just playing mind games so i mean it very well could still be the same idea but I thought that was interesting. But again, this episode for me, if anything, kind of reined in all of that speculation. And I, I don't, and while I think this is interesting, it, it seems a tiny bit too convoluted to be uh, realistic. But the them, them being broke thing does, I think, make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I don't think that Mike White, like I'll be shocked if Mike White would settle for a full kind of um, mirror image of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. Like just transposing that plot on this plot and being like, done. I, I see him more as like implementing that dynamic, but then twisting it. Mm-hmm. So I will stick with my blackmail setup. I think, I think they're, they're going one step beyond and actively working to leverage Ethan and um, and Harper's relationship to leverage them to help to, to help them. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes to the idea of why Cameron was pushing so hard on Harper, mm-hmm. like they were looking for the crack and they couldn't find it. 
you know, mm. because mm. Cameron changing behind Harper now, if you look back oh, on it, yeah. was a could have been a, te- a test. Right. If she turns around, then he comes back. He's like, Daphne, I got Harper. She's she's our our way in. Or yeah, it could have been another potential blackmail situation, right? So, yeah, so I think see that's how what far she for. goes with it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and to that point, here's another post uh, calling back to the first episode. I'm assuming this is from the first episode, at least from the past two. Harper was right about everything. She said they probably invited them to Italy because they are after their money. She said their lovey-dovey uh, perfect couple act had to be fake. She said it couldn't be true that they never fight. She worried that money could turn them into people like Daphne and Cameron. Is Harper really a norm- is Harper really just a normal person who was correct about everything? <clears throat> Which I think kind of goes back to what we were talking about before of like how much of the marital struggles between Daphne between Harper and Ethan are just sort of like maybe not even millennial issue. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's what a marriage is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just is. I was thinking about like, what is, what is, what is copaganda, but for marriage, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I think back at like, there's just so many stories <clears throat> I mean, obviously, it's the media is getting better about representing like what marriage is actually like, I guess. And it's not it's different for everybody, obviously. But, you know, there's just so many stories about we've we've been in love since we were in elementary school. You know, what I mean, we've been mm-hmm. married for 50, 60 years and we never fight and blah, blah, blah. And it's like. That is copaganda. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever. Like, it just doesn't... I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but, like, that's probably it, not 99% of marriages. It doesn't reflect reality. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and within those 50 years, yeah, the, the things that have probably happened that they've either, like, come to some understanding of or maybe that they are purposefully still not dealing with well yeah and not only that the like i think the unsaid part of that is like it's it's uh it's it's kind of quietly condemning marriages who that do struggle or whatever couples that do struggle in marriage or, Mm -hmm. or marriages that do have uh issues i don't know that was just something i was thinking about yeah i mean to me i go back to it's not having the issues, but still critically analyzing the issues th- th- themselves, you know, independently and together. Mm. And I think that there's enough that I've seen in these three episodes where I feel like if I was Ethan or Harper, I'd be like, yeah, this ain't working. Mm. Like, <clears throat> not, this isn't working, but yeah, we'll push through, but, but be like, yeah, this ain't it. Like mm. something, something ain't right. And again, it could be my own place in life that, that makes me feel like I have, I have that clarity mm-hmm. and that if I was married, I'd be like, oh yeah, no, this is a, this is a quote unquote normal amount of, you know, kind of dis- di- disruption between the two. Yeah. I think, again, I think like we said before, there is a difference between being in the relationship and being outside of it because being in that marriage, 
I wouldn't have seen anything up until this point to make me think like, let's just, we've, we've got to call this off. Right. It, it just seems like there's not enough happening for me to go through that amount of work and struggle. You know what I mean? Whereas if you're not in the relationship, it's like, yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not signing up for a lifetime of that. Of course mm. not. You know what I mean? <clears throat> it's kind of like a, um, is it boiling the frog? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Right. And and you get to a point where you're just like, you know, this is, you're the, you're the, this is fine dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I think my <laughs> thing is like, if I was on vacation and things weren't going, I think that's my added piece to this. Mm-hmm. If this was a normal, like daily, like, oh, we we're out to dinner with our friend and these are the conversations that come up. I'd be like, yeah, that, that that's relatable. But if we're in like Italy and we we can't sync up in Italy, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like 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 we can't sure. both of us just have one morning that's like, oh, that was smooth. Yeah. You know, then I think I would be like, yeah, what is going on? Yeah. I mean, they haven't had any like blow-ups though they just sort of had like misconnections the whole time another misconnection this time where she gets herself all made up yeah and he comes in and he just completely does it's and again it's not that he doesn't see it right it's that he doesn't want it mm-hmm. and that to me is like dude if if i came in the day before and said you know i get horny after i run mm-hmm. and then my wife is like ready the next morning after me being like you're not a morning person and i go no thanks i'm gonna be like Wow, I don't like her. I don't like her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Uh, something that Cameron said that I thought that just really caught my attention, and I've never heard this before. I wonder if you have. He said something along the lines of, monogamy was an idea created by oh, yeah. the elite yeah, to yeah, control yeah. The, the poor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that? I thought it was a funny line. Yeah. And it... I guess kind of vaguely makes sense for the character, even yeah. though like I, there's a lot of layers to it. Like, I don't know if, I mean, now that we're talking about it, maybe that speaks to where they're at financially, because if they are where they appear to be, I would imagine he's the elite, right? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and, well, he feels entitled to right. his position. It's the same thing that, F. Murray Abraham says, where he's like, this is the role of the man. Like, you do your little dalliances, mm-hmm. but you keep them quiet, and then you come home. And, like, that's the way that it is. It's this idea of, again, ownership or entitlement, right, mm-hmm. to these roles, to these women, to these opportunities. And, yeah, we don't have to play the play by the rules the way that, Poor people do. Mm-hmm. You know, we set the standard for what poor people should aspire to. But that means that we, again, just set the the the, the example as truly that. Oh, here's an example of how to be. But, oh, no, we are not that. It is Stanley Kubrick, eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. we talked about last time. It's like secret societies and skull and bones or whatever they're called where it's like, yeah, welcome to the dynamic of us owning the poor. That is our role now, mm-hmm. is to exploit the poor to make nations run. 
Snowpiercer, right? The train has to run by the blood of children. Right. Like that's it has to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And hey, we we are the ones who are gonna bear carry that burden of knowledge, but that also means we get to have orgies, mm-hmm. we get to exploit people, get to be mean to wait staff, like get to be James Corden, like, you know, all, all that stuff. So yeah, but and and I think it goes to the fact that if he ran into any money problems, he would also view it as his right to correct it by any means necessary. Yeah. And not go Insider down. Trading. Yeah, and not go down yeah. to the lower classes because he's not he's not of that class. Yeah. He's of this class. What did you make of um last thing about these four idiots? <laughs> what did you make of Ethan not having sex with Mia? Um, I mean, it, it, it goes to the idea that at their heart, Ethan and um, Harper are stand-ins for more of the audience, mm-hmm. that they are not perfect, but they still believe in some of the ideals that they talk about. Mm-hmm. But this episode is also a lot about pop psychology, like what Cameron said about monogamy is just the lie of the rich to keep the poor you know, in check and keep them aspirational mm-hmm. um, and working against their, their, their natures. And Albie throws out his little like hot take on Godfather, mm-hmm. which just sounds completely hollow because it's spoken. It's not that what he says is wrong. It's that it's spoken by somebody who doesn't have experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's the same thing with like Ethan and, and Harper where it's still this vestige of that old idea, like this is the right thing that we should be doing. I shouldn't be having an affair. And, you know, Harper is resisting the pull of the upper class, right? Mm. Like like she, she said it over and over and over again, how they're not materialistic. She likes helping her family. They're not changed. You know, um, Ethan has not changed, right? Daphne asks asks her about that. Like, they still have this idea that, like, we will not be changed by this money. Mm-hmm. So that's that that that's that. It spoke to that idea of like we are not we are not these people. Yeah, that's what Ethan was trying to, you know, declare. I think by turning her down. <clears throat> okay, speaking of which, let's talk about the Godfather thing real quick. Would you ever have sex in a f- room with your buddy where he was I mean, sex? no, of course not. I totally I totally think uh Cameron would. It's it's always one of those things that um I never like understood because I feel like it is much more of a common occurrence especially with like a certain type of person. It definitely, like, yeah, pops up in movies and TV shows more than I would think. Where where there's just, like, a a casual comment, and it's just, like, I I don't know that I was ever presented the opportunity to just, like, yeah, be naked with a friend and be, like... Yeah, I was... It is what it is, buddy. ...working through The Champs, the podcast, just listening, re-listening to it. Yeah, because I also... I I just want to say the thing that made me think that, too, was when... Ethan is like, denies Mia, sinks down on the floor, 
And he like is looking over at his friend. Right. And there's, I'm like, wouldn't you leave the room? Right. <laughs> there's like, a oh, just- there's a split on the subreddit about that. It's it's either it's his room, so that's why he's not leaving. But then other people are saying, well, he likes porn, so he likes to watch. So that's why he doesn't leave. Yeah. I, I didn't put that much thought into yeah, it. Yeah, well, <laughs> porn still feels like that remove. Like, it's, you're still not watching your buddy. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're, you're watching, but you're not watching. Uh, and, but anyway, um, yeah, what were you going to ask? I, I've been re-listening to The Champs, and there's a story like that. Uh, on the Tony Rock episode where it's like he's in a car, him and he's in a car, his buddy's driving him and this girl around and they just start having sex in the back of the car. And so he's like, just keep driving. This guy just drives him around town for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, what? It's yeah. a completely different, like entire different world. Like I just don't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's, I, I don't know if there's a joke. I don't know what made me think about this, but like I, if I caught myself in a mirror having sex, I think I would startle myself. Like, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't like that. I would be like, oh my yeah, God, yeah, yeah, what yeah. is wrong right. with me? And I, so I can't imagine me doing it and then like looking over and seeing my buddy in the corner being like, Hey, buddy. Look at you. <laughs> right. Do you want me to pull in here? And just Okay. okay. I'll just keep I'll going. Just, yep. just, you look busy back there. <laughs> I, I'm just going to get a little peek. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. So the Godfather thing I made a note of for two reasons. One of them, like you said, Albie's take on it that I thought we could talk about. But the first thing that caught me off guard was Bert's criticism that he – that Coppola made three Godfather movies, but and only the first, first two, two are great. Are, yeah, which to me feels one hundred percent like a movie nerd writing something and being like, I don't want people to think I think the third the Godfather third movie is good. is good because there's no way this eighty year old man is going to be like, yeah, the third one sucks. He's gonna like all of them. Exactly. He's like, <laughs> it's a great trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's not going to draw the line on. <laughs> right. Because I, all he cares about is representation. As long as the representation is there of these strong Italian men, that's all he cares about. Yeah. And, and it may, yeah, it makes you feel like all the people Francis Ford Coppola's age. Yeah. They probably love the third one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're all like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Great. Whatever. And even if they don't love it, they don't think it sucks. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's the God, it's a God for a movie. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, so Albie's take was interesting. I thought what you said was interesting that the reason, one of the reasons why it lands so hollow for, I think, the audience and for his... For her. For Portia. her and for the his dad and grandfather is because he doesn't have the experience. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that uh, uh, Bert says afterwards is something along the line, he, some bullshit about being disrespected or something, or you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Kind of like the typical thing you would expect to hear from an old person of like... Are you ashamed of us? Who asks him that? Who asks Albie that? Is it him? Yeah, may- like, maybe. Are you ashamed the, of us? Yeah, something like that. But but Bird is definitely like something along the lines of like, I'm old, you should respect me, blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I'm sympathetic to Albie because I definitely was that person who was really focused on being right. And... Very careful in what I said and how I said right. it because I wanted to be correct and thoughtful even at a young age. 
Well, and he's not wrong. I don't think he's wrong. No, 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 exactly. Right. He's, he's not wrong. But you look back on it and you're like, I'm such a, such a dipshit. Yeah. Like, but you can't help it. Or it goes to this other thing that I think is an interesting point that I was thinking about. Early word has come out about Babylon, Damien Chazelle's uh-huh. latest film. Right. And it's not getting great reviews. <laughs> really? Right? With some of the people that I follow. Uh-huh. And somebody made the point, they're like, it's a Scorsese movie. Like, a, like think Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Done by somebody who's like, Straight edge. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like when when Scorsese does it, like Scorsese knows. Uh-huh. He knows about Quaaludes. Right. He knows about Coke for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's a careful line to walk because then you don't want to buy into this narrative of, yeah, so when you're offered Coke at the party, do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do it, you're going to make Babylon. And if you do do it, <laughs> right. you're going to make Goodfellas. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But but it speaks to a level, and again, I haven't seen Babylon, but it speaks to a level of authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like early word is, yeah, it's it, it lacks the authenticity. It's somebody writing about what a wild Bacchanal like binge would be like mm-hmm. by somebody who hasn't really lived it. So you're watching like, yeah, this this person who gets know buzzed off of six sprites. Six, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Damien was just always <laughs> buzzing around. He had a Mountain Dew in his hand, and he was just constantly. Around. But, but it speaks to this too, where like Albie says, "Yes, you you read from the book. You're absolutely right, and it just feels like a a dud, right? Mm-hmm. It just lands like a lead balloon to everybody." And it's not his fault, but it's like he doesn't have the whatever it is, the lived experience. And again, it's that it's that line that I'm always careful of where it's like, I want Indy to live. I want him to live. Mm-hmm. And when we were early I know obviously I want him to live. I want him to keep breathing. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's uh-huh. not what I'm saying. But I remember being uh you know, when he was younger talking to you and being all idealistic and being like, you know, I, I just want him to have the freedom to like ride a skateboard into a thorny bush. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like go down a hill and get scraped up and, and hurt your and it's like it's okay. It's okay. That's part of growing up. I want you to take chances. I don't want you to be scared of everything. But at the same time, you want there to be those parameters. And you don't want to build this idea of like, hey Indy, people who really live, they they are reckless. So mm-hmm. you're you're going to need to be like, like that's not true. But you need to also not buy into this idea that saying the right thing stands in for doing the right thing or being the right kind of person. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I'm so scared of relationships, I'm just going to not commit to one and stand in the background and go, well, this is the way relationships should be. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. no, at some point you're going to have to get dirty, go in there, have a relationship, like take a chance, screw it up, and then say your line about, how men are all, you know, just trying to live a fantasy mm-hmm. like the Godfather. Well, I think some of it too. I think I think the aspect of it too that that resonates the most with me is there's also this gray area of <clears throat> that I think has come to the forefront in the past six years 
of a, a lot of these backwards ideas and beliefs being exposed and the holders of those beliefs sort of doubling down on them instead mm-hmm. of like reflecting. But those people are also like family members who love you and have supported you for your entire life. And it becomes more of a point of like, the goal seems to be almost scoring points than it does like talking to somebody about it, you know? And it's like, Bert has these very backwards ideas about women and how to treat people and and all that. He seems like a pretty nice guy. You know what I mean? Like he's affable. He gets along with people. He makes jokes. So it's like this weird gray area of like, yeah, you believe some pretty gnarly stuff Mm -hmm. and you've more likely than not acted on that gnarly stuff. Mm -hmm. But then there's also an aspect of it. That's like, you're my grandfather. And for 30 years or however old Albie is, you've, you know, provided for me in some way, blah, blah, blah. I know in like some aspect, you're a good person. So like, how do we mend those two things? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's like an answer for it. Like, obviously it's kind of turned everything on its head for the past six years and no one's figured it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't expect change from people. Like we, we can see that with people we we can see that in two generations mm-hmm. right um where you have the boomers who are just like i i don't know i can't convince you of anything by 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 now like you're right. you've lived your life so stubborn yeah yeah just life experience has trumped all sense mm-hmm. you know what i mean and now you you've locked in and then you see, like, right below that, I think, between us and them, a generation of, of people who are, like, willing to, wi- willing to call whatever they need a, a conspiracy thing. Like, I love thinking about, after these midterms, right, you, you have... Um, Carrie Lake, who just lost, lost, just ate it, biffed it. And you have these people who are screaming about a stolen election, all this stuff. I just want to be like, you, if we stack up your basic beliefs of a stolen election, of, you know, all these things that they believe about Trump and all that stuff. And then you match it with my conspiratorial in their in their terms beliefs of like insane corporate bloat, CEO, like massive um it, you know inflation caused by corporations and stuff like that. They will easily say no on every one of my list mm-hmm. and yes on their list mm-hmm. and never once give me the benefit of the doubt on any one of my, to their wild beliefs. Mm-hmm. It's like, you want a world where your list is, is real. Look at your list. Your list is basically calling into like account the entire, like American government, the whole educational system and every one of your sweet little neighbors who volunteered 
at you know your local election board, like you're willing to like firebomb all those people. Yeah. And then on the other side, you're like, yeah, I want to hear about CEOs. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. you're like, how can I communicate with you? Yeah. Like, like you won't even, even if I, like I could, I could see myself being like, you know what? You can believe all that here. I'll let you have all that. Mm-hmm. Now just accept these few basic principles that, that I think, and they would deny it. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're like, I can't communicate with that. So Albie sees F Murray Abraham as that, you know, lived experience has locked that man away. And then his dad, mm-hmm. who is like, again, one of those people that is just like, I am a good person. I am working at it. I'm trying very hard. Dad, did you have two prostitutes in your room last <laughs> night? Right. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. We're not going to all, only my beliefs matter. Right. Your beliefs and your understanding of, of any situation. I don't have any use. I, I can't even process it. Yeah. Well, Dom, the dad, he seems to be, I think like we were saying in the first episode, Bert is the, is the, is the manifestation of this is the way the world works it's the way it's always i've lived enough i know it i can tell you right and it's fine and and that's how the world should work and then dom is this is all this is bad i know it's bad i know what's right but i do the wrong thing every time right and then the sun is is the opposite of both those where it's like this is bad and i'm not going to do any of it uh, but then you have so in this episode you get the moment of where Dom and Albi have the confrontation, quote unquote confront- confrontation, like mini confrontation in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember what he says really, but it's just about. Uh, well, Dom wants Albi to talk to his mom about him. That's right. On his behalf, mm-hmm. tell her I love her miss her i'm thinking of her and wants him to know that he's trying hard and yeah. that's when albie's like no you're not right <laughs> you know but then it's so then at the end of the episode though he turns down all the temptation and goes back to his room or whatever so is this like a turning point for dom also with that being said this is like i think halfway through the season there's only six or seven episodes yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean no no, Dom is going to do it again. You think I, he? it's just the same-o, same-o, same-o? Spoiling the patient. You watched all the patient? Mm-hmm. So the patient, towards the end, spoilers, um, Steve Carell says, you're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know? And the only way for you to not is to physically restrain yourself. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I feel like that's, that's Dom, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's true in the sense that any of that introspection that he has never makes it to the surface in the sight of anyone else mm-hmm. that matters. Mm-hmm. His hallway talk to his son is still, like, obtuse and, like, full of lies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Defensive. De- mm-hmm. de- de- defensive and th- this narrative, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard and... Let your mom know, you know, and and really like putting Albie in a weird spot, right? Like mm. talk to your mom for like what a what a weird yeah 
way to respond to your or to interact with your son. Yeah, it's uh, he's a coward. Basically. He's a, he he's a total coward. Yeah, and so again, it goes back to that the idea that I was trying to say, where it's like, yeah, th- this uh, introspection, like some of those people, I'm like, there's no way when you lay your head down at night, it's like the endless cyclical debate of like, what level of awareness do these grifters have from Tucker Carlson to Tim pool, like Ben Shapiro, various, like at least one of them probably lays in bed at night and goes, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) Not that they feel bad about it, but that they can acknowledge it like Dom. Right. But to anybody else in their circle, they're probably denying, like, st- like fighting for their party line, yeah. you know, to- tooth and nail. And that's that's what I see Dom representing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Dave Rubin, right? Out of yeah. all those people, I feel like he's the one. He has to know what he's doing. He has to. Because, like I said before, Ben Shapiro... I will give you that he knows what he's doing, but I also think he thinks what he's doing is is right and good, at least some of it or most of it. The only thing that I say about that is his bed bed made of money quote. That was the one time that his mask fully sure, like, but oh, this is a guy that if anybody said that to me, be like, see, yeah. he's not pure. He's he's just using you, and it's like that was the one thing where he's like, I got a lot of money off of this. I'm okay. I just like, don't Ooh. I just don't think Shapiro thinks his beliefs are bad or wrong. Whereas I feel like Dave Rubin, obviously a very stupid guy, <laughs> but he knows what he thinks and says and believes is is wrong. It's I mean it's literally counter to his entire lifestyle. The entire political System he's propping up on a daily, I don't know how often he does a show, daily, weekly, whatever, is anti, he's a gay man, married gay man who adopted kids. Yeah. Like everything in his party is screaming at him to not exist right now. I don't follow him very much, but like my, my sense is that he also has like the smallest audience too. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. It's a song and dance for the other team where even they are like, yeah, if you weren't here, we wouldn't really. Right. We, we wouldn't really mind. Yeah. He, he's not essential. Yeah. Ben Shapiro is essential. Yeah. You've got to have the great intellect. <laughs> uh, so we then are left with Albie and Portia. Not too much more between them. Just kind of this. Portia, clearly the, the pool boy comes by. Right. Yeah. Portia wants to be with the pool, pool guy. And ends up going with Albie. Um, there's another one at if you were Albie, do you think you would pick up on Porsche's vibe? Or do you think you'd be like him be like, This girl likes me? Oh, if it was me, I would one thousand percent pick up on it. Yeah. The 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 one one note I made is that Albie's type, Albie's character. That type of awkwardness makes me more uncomfortable than any anything else in any show or movie. I it makes my skin crawl. It's yeah. so uncomfortable. Um, and more to 
uh, what we were talking about earlier, were you getting more incel vibes from it? Or for me, it was kind of dialed back to like, this is just kind of a empty headed kid. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's someone who could potentially fall prey to the incel Mm -hmm. ideology because right now he thinks that he's playing the game fair and square. Right. He's not being pushy, that he's being a good guy. Right. He's saying all the right things. Oh, you want me to be aggressive now? Okay, well, now I'll be aggressive. Now be aggressive. And and you gave me the clearance. So that makes it not realizing like you asking for permission is the thing that is ruining it, right? That that ruins that whole approach. Also, and, and again, not saying that he shouldn't have asked permission, but that there's a way to gauge that that's more like in the moment mm-hmm. than like writing then out on a card. Actually, actually literally asking for permission. But I mean, so is that to you, like, is it just a representation of like what it's like to flirt in the me too era or whatever, or is it a condemnation of that? Is it any, is there any sort of critiquing of it or is it just, this is what it is. It's it's interesting because you, you asked me that now and I can only read in um, Indy's experience today, mm-hmm. um, which is he has started walking home from school. Mm-hmm. And it's just these little moments where you just see your kids starting to like step out into their own. And he has friends now that he walks with. He came home and he was talking to me about their their walk home today. And he said a joke and like everyone started like repeating the joke and laughing and stuff like that. And he was like, it felt weird to like just say something then everybody else like picked up on and like started yelling. I was like, yeah, that's nor that's called normal human interaction. (laughs) What happened there? Completely normal amongst kids your age where I would hang out with my group of friends. One of them says something funny that's it. That's all we yell at each other for the next week. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's normal. But for him, it was it was unique. It was a new experience. And I was like, that's because you've been raised in the internet age and in COVID, where that kind of close, like social interaction outside of the mm-hmm. bounds of school mm-hmm. or any kind of established setting is like new territory. And he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. so excited by it. He comes home with stories like that where he's like energized. And the stories are like, Dad, I walked home with a bunch of friends. And, and, and then what? <laughs> uh, we found some trash and then we kicked it on the, uh, on the ground. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. And so with, with Albie, I can't help but read into it. Like this potentially is that, you know, kind of dynamic at play if you have somebody who is raised more isolated and removed that then gets put in the space with another person that it becomes more awkward to read those situations to interact and engage because he's talking almost like texting Mm -hmm. like that's how you would you would respond to somebody if you're like Hey, I want you to be more aggressive. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
you know? And then in text, it makes sense to like be that forward in person though. Someone's like, be more aggressive. And you're like, okay. And then you're more aggressive. You're like, that was <laughs> too, too that's, much. That was <laughs> yeah. crazy. Like again, in a text thread, that would make sense in person. Yeah, right. That wouldn't. So yeah. I almost see Albie as like, yeah, these are maybe, and listen, I'm not of the generation. This is the old man speaking down to the, the generation beneath him. And being like, I don't know, does this make sense? But that's me throwing it at the wall. Like, Albie is just an online guy trying to take all the lessons that he's learned online in, you know, his room. And he's a good guy. And in practice, it just shows you how, yeah, no, you're you're completely goofing it all up. And when it doesn't work out, he's going to be left saying, I literally did everything right. And I literally <clears throat> am a good good guy. Right. Yeah. Um, Tanya and Greg. Wolf. In what sense? Tanya. Here's my, here's my big takeaway about Tanya and Greg. Uh And I do want to talk about the, um, the, uh, fortune teller. Okay. Tanya is talk about, Clarifying, Tanya was a perfect example of also on a bigger scale what I want these stories to do with like rich people. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you're like, man, just has to be miserable to be her. You know, mm-hmm. her last few relationships, the way that she said they've gone, this relationship and what we know Greg is doing, right? And all that stuff. And then... Any sympathy, she immediately turns around and she's like, look at this gypsy. Right. And, well, like, and then she's like, you're not telling me the pot. You're being negative. Go away. You know what I mean? You're being negative. And you realize, like, oh, she's a terrible person. Yes. Abs- exactly. She, she's awful. It's like, that's what I, I don't want. Stories about rich people that, that try to make me feel. I am going to feel human emotions for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You can make a sympathetic villain. It's going to work on I me. Mean, you don't have to go out of your way to be like, here's a very good person who also is worth half a billion dollars. Right. No, make the half a billion dollar person a normal person and then make me be like, yeah, and they suck. Yeah. And I have I have good reason to just mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope your life is terrible. Right. You deserve it. Yeah, I thought this episode did a really great job of fleshing her out as just an undesirable person to be around. Whereas up until this point, she was more or less just like there for comedic relief. Mm-hmm. And she's still, I think probably like the funniest character in the show. Oh, her smile. over the Tom smile. Collins like everything Collins. she does is, is pitch perfect and hilarious. So and yeah. And ha- halfway through the episode where we're just like, man, I would never in a million years want to be around this person. <clears throat> um, then the so the only other thing I ha- and I sa- had saved this before I watched the episode, this uh, Reddit post just about uh, you know someone asked wasn't Greg dying which I think we brought but brought up before in the last season he was dying they address it in this episode which I thought was great she just sort a of a throwaway okay. yeah it's like one of those things where it's like yeah we don't need to dwell on it we're just going to explain it and it also play it also kind of uh plays into her character because yeah she has just so much money that she can just make this uh 
what's the word? Il, this uh, disease. <laughs> no, there's a she word for like an illness that's going to kill you or whatever. Terminal. Terminal. Yes, she has enough money that she can just make this terminal disease go away. That's all it takes. It's just enough money. Um, so I thought that was really good, but does that at all change? Do you still think that, like, what do you, what, what do you think Greg is leaving for? Is it possible that the illness is not gone and that he's going? Oh, no, no, no. He has another family. You think, you still think it's the other family mm-hmm. thing? I could see it being like, I'm still sick. Right? He's he's going back for treatment? I don't know. Just trying to cover it up you're, in some way. You're reaching. <laughs> sure. He's a bad guy. Yeah. He's a bad dude. He's a jerk. Yeah. He has another woman, and he doesn't want to waste his life with Tanya. But and she does mention something like, now that you're not dying anymore, you realize you're going to have to spend more time with me or Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awareness isn't even half the battle, right? You can be aware that it's like, I know I'm kind of a, a lot. It's like, okay, can you change it? No. Yeah. I just know. I just know I'm that way. Right. Or how people try and spin it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just that kind of person. Mm-hmm. People don't like me. It's like, no, I think you're just an unlikable person. I don't think that's a character attribute. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then we have lastly... We have Lucia and Mia, mm-hmm. who they don't really seem to be. They they're kind of the um, the link between all the different. Right, they're kind of moving through and bringing yeah. in the um, the musician who now makes a much more open proposition to Mia. Right, they don't, but they don't really have their own sort of uh, arc. It feels like. Although I will say, after this, it seems more and more clear to me that they are going to be the dead bodies. They have to be. Hmm. Right? And it, I think it would tie in with the um, how Valentina was so adamant about them like not being around in the first place hmm. kind of deal. Um, yeah, I think, I think it also speaks to the idea that, like, who suffers when rich people go anywhere it's mm-hmm. whoever's local right who who is there first yeah that's who suffers <clears throat> right. who's good who's gonna die when rich people come through yep whoever was there when they rolled through i agree with you i would say my money is on them being the dead bodies i want to go back and watch the first episode where what what does the hotel worker say a few you say there's a few bodies. Yeah, yeah, or? yeah. I, yeah, I want to. I'm gonna. I'll, I'm, so, I do want to watch that. So again. maybe they're they're yeah. just two of them. I, early on, I had a feeling like Daphne could have been involved, and she's continuing a role. Mm-hmm. Like I just thought it was odd that she would be the one to find the body the way she did after talking to those two girls. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like established that you're just like, oh, we talked to her. She was. Telling us what a great stay it was, and then yeah. she finds these bodies, you know? Um, well, yeah, and so far they've been linked to two rich guys who would not want to be linked to them. Yeah, you know, here's here's an interesting take. If I was writing this, I would put, right now, my writer's board, at the very top, I would say Daphne. Uh-huh. Daphne taking revenge against Cameron. 
taking control of her life and using this getaway to execute her liberation. Because mm-hmm. in this episode, she says, like, I'm not a victim. Don't, don't look at me like a victim. Mm-hmm. And that she understands that Cameron cheated on her, but she's very quick to say, like, I have my own identity and that to me makes me feel like well and i have ways of getting back at him for that exactly it exactly very much a uh i don't know what the word is daphne kills cameron kills the girls oh you think she kills everybody that's what i'm saying at the very top of my writer's board at one point and i'll i'll go back to it now i'll say if i was writing the season i would put daphne as like this is her like writing her own story, getting mm-hmm. her liberation from Cameron and getting out from all of his debt, all of his infidelity, <clears throat> all that stuff. Uh-huh. She's going to kill him, collect the insurance, and she's going to find the bodies. She's going to f- <laughs> sell it, freak out. Daphne. Okay. Um, I don't have any sort of guesses on who it, who it could be. Yeah, I'm tired after that. Yeah. Any used other, all my brain power. Any other thoughts? Here's a random thought that I don't know if you'll go anywhere. So I'll put it at the end here, and you can edit it out okay. with all your editing skills. Um, I was thinking about this in, in the context of Daphne. Mm-hmm. The other day, I got up to go to work, opened the door, and there's this old man walking by my house dragging a little like cart behind him Uh walking by he's walking right by my car right when i am i go good morning (laughs) he doesn't look up Uh he doesn't turn he doesn't acknowledge me in any way yeah just keeps on walking he got into my car and i immediately thought you know why would i expect him to respond to that you know we're trained to think that because it's a pleasantry. Why would you not respond to it? That's what I'm saying. It's a pleasantry. And what we've been taught is that pleasantries are good things, uh-huh. but it's still invasive. No, it's, it's some, not. It's someone you don't know interrupting you. No. Interrupting your life to be like, yeah. Hey, no. good morning. How's it going? Oh, just stuff. say good morning back. No, sometimes it's like, you know what? My day is perfect if I just drag my little cart and just no. get to where I'm going and no one no one acknowledges me. That's that's perfect. I That's as, the idea. As someone who walks every single day and sees multiple people on their walks, I 1000% disagree with you. So you feel like in any walk it is always better when people acknowledge you and yes. say good morning than if you got to do your whole walk yes in your own head i wouldn't i mean better is not the correct term it my walk would never be worse if someone said good morning to me never it it just is a it just is a pleasantry yeah. it just is a nice I'm a human. You're a human. Have a good day. Good yeah. morning. That's it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm trying to say like I'm trying to quantify that for the good. 
Like, like it doesn't necessarily, why would we assume that it follows? Do I then get to sit in my, get in my car and go, what a miserable man. What if he's not a miserable old man? He's a super nice old man who just didn't want to say good morning to, to a Maybe stranger. he didn't hear you. Is he old enough that he possibly couldn't hear things? No, I mean, maybe, but like we, we literally like after my good morning, I could have been like, I'm sorry if I spit on you. I mean, it was uh-huh. like, I said it because we were so close. I don't know. I could not disagree more. There's a guy who I see occasionally on our walks <clears throat> who will yell at you from like a block away. If he sees you, you're just, he gets one glimpse of you. He's walking his dog. And says, hey man, good morning. And that brings a smile to your face. Yes. Just a guy that's being nice. Yeah. How is that ever going to be bad for your day? Well, I go back to the guy in the Vespa when I tried to help him and he yelled at me. Yeah, that guy's an asshole. Well, I'm like, you know what? That doesn't make you wrong. That makes him wrong. Maybe that's like, hey, he's dealing with it. I'm the the one being intrusive. He needs to be more gracious then. Or just shut the fuck up. You don't have to... Just don't say anything. Someone says good morning to you, then just be quiet. Well, that's exactly what he did. So I guess here's my takeaway then. My, right, my, my, but my point is that, you, that that's the person saying the good morning is never doing something wrong. So I guess, the, I guess the takeaway, I will concede to you that, okay, pleasantries are always going to be a net positive. Always, though? Always. Always. always full stop. Always, See, I'm still yeah, a little hesitant about always. that. But I will say... I mean, unless the person is, like, crying or, like, right, their leg has been cut off or something. You're like, good morning, and you keep on going. Or they're, like, a horse is dead on the side of the dirt road in Arizona, Arizona. right? (laughs) I did my part. I was like, hey, you need any help, blah, 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 (laughs) you know? That's the right thing to do. Um, Yeah, so maybe maybe my takeaway then is I shouldn't feel obliged to have bad feelings about him. Or that person. I wouldn't have given him two, two, two seconds of thought, I guess. My deal is kind of like, if you say good morning to me, I'll say good morning to you. What I do on my walk, anytime someone, anytime someone passes me, I just throw my hand up real quick. Just give them a quick wave. That's it. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. The, the, the wave is good. I, I need to do that work. The, the problem with work is, is it's more of an eye contact thing. That's always bad. Eye contact because you're like, mm, mm. Right, because eye contact opens up the possibility for the conversation. And no one Because it's really like, oh, did you want to talk? Exa- exactly. It's like, no, I just want to wave. No, I just no want to say good morning and keep on walking. I think I'm going to bring the wave in that park. Okay. All right. Drip it. Drip it, drip it, drip it. We have to keep our country gate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.